Today's episode of Bags and Brisby is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from GoToMeeting all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we're here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Add to your flash briefing on Alexa or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. High in the air, Brito back at the wall, adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy, they're going to get accountability, they're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another, and I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 62 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I am Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy Baggerly. Uh, 62, that would be the Logan Webb edition of the podcast, but we're going we're gonna to mix it up. We're going to throw a little twist in, in here. And this is actually the Mike Yastrzemski edition of the podcast because we have Mike Yastrzemski, as a guest on the Bags and Brisby podcast. How are you doing, Mike? Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Doing well. Awesome. So I guess the first question in any you know interview right now is, how are you? How is your family? How are you guys holding up? Um, we're doing well. Family's good. Um, everybody's just trying to lay as low as possible and just stay safe. So it's been uh, successful so far. Got it. And where are you writing this out? Uh, I'm in Nashville. Hey, uh, so can you tell me sort of what your sort of setup is? Who, who are you in a house? Are you in an apartment? Are you, um, who are you living with? Or, or, uh, and, and I know Nashville is, is sort of your off season home now. Um, when did you leave? How'd you get there? I mean, what, what was it all like when it became kind of obvious that we were all going to be leaving Scottsdale? Yeah. Um, I just kind of left once I knew that once I got the feeling that the facility was going to be closed and there wasn't going to be really um, access to it. I just felt like it was best to get home and be somewhere to, to be comfortable. And I actually bought a house here with my wife, a, uh, last off season. So that's where we've been, been staying right now. Got it. And so what's sort of like, um, the day in the life snapshot of kind of what this last month has been like for you guys? Um, you know, we've just been, um, hanging around the house doing some little projects that we've been wanting to do since we moved in and, We've uh, been doing some, some yoga and being able to go hit with a buddy of mine over at a local high school field, and that's kind of the extent of it. Yeah, I can tell you that my barbecue grill has never been so clean. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see, what else? Uh, I, I, I'm pretty far down the list. I've got to stain the deck, though. That's going to that's gonna be a multi-day assignment. Uh, I was waiting for make yeah, sure we don't have any more like rain. Yeah, take a little while. But I am I am plowing through my list. So if you if you're a new homeowner, I'm I'm, I'm guessing that you've uh, have you knocked out anything that's been especially challenging or creative, or have you added any new uh, handyman skills to your repertoire? Um, I'm I'm starting to, but um, the the toughest one was digging out a fire pit because we actually have a ton of oh, boulders wow. in our backyard that are buried, and it was just like a full four hour workout that I wasn't expecting. <laughs> Well, there you go. You're in the best shape of your life. Exactly. I guess that leads us into a, a 
pretty good obvious question is that how are you keeping in shape? Like, how are you training? What What's your setup? I, I know that uh, Andy talked to Mauricio Dubon and he's kind of stuck in a, a high rise where he's got a balcony that he had to sort of rig to get some batting practice in. Do you have some space? Do you have uh, <laughs> uh, enough place to places to hit? And, and what's your training at home kind of like? Yeah, I've actually got um, a little bit of space in the backyard, which has been a, a godsend. Um, you know, we can get outside and hang out on the deck and relax. And I actually just got a new uh, virtual reality headset, uh, that Winter VR that, you know, uh, a buddy of mine works there. And so we ended up uh, getting together so I could make sure that I was getting live reps while while I'm here, at least. Who's throwing to? Who's pitching? Who's on the mound in, uh, in the VR? <laughs> uh, every, everybody in the league. <laughs> really? Wow. So yeah, they got uh, they got just about everybody on there. So it's it's pretty cool. And can you actually see like your like results or or whatever? Or or uh, is there any any? Um, it's it's more or less visual, you know. So uh-huh. tracking pitches and getting making sure that my timing's still there. So that's kind of the best way to to keep my timing because you can't face live pitchers right now. So that's that's as good as it gets. I mean, in a way, do you think it's a little bit easier for a hitter than it is for a pitcher? I mean, how I have no idea how a pitcher, when you don't know when you're going to be starting up, you don't know, uh, you know, what the games are going to be like. Um, you know, you don't know if they're going to use expanded rosters, so maybe starters don't have to get stretched out. But you know, spring training is not going to be very long. Uh, whenever they can resume it, assuming they can resume it. So, how how would you imagine a pitcher would would sort of uh, keep their arm loose or the readiness or or, uh, or or if they just shut it down? I think it'd be easier for a pitcher, honestly, because you don't need anybody else to do your work with you. You can oh, a find point. a net or a wall and you can throw every single pitch that you need to. And, you know, yeah, you're not facing hitters, but your arm's going to be in shape. Your body's going to be in shape. You can do your flush runs. I think it'd be, you know, not much changes for a pitcher. Did you see that Joe Kelly accidentally broke a window at his house? Uh, <laughs> Trying try out a new changeup. <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah, glad I'm not a righty when I see those things. <laughs> right. Now, I have to ask it a little bit more about the, this VR setup because that just – I could probably watch like a two-hour documentary on it. It just sounds fascinating to me. Like how realistic is it? So is it you're – you're selecting it and is it giving you a pretty good representation? Is it, you know, very clearly not real and you're just making the best of, of what's going on? Or is it pretty much like, wow, this is, this is pretty intense? No, I, I – find that it's like as real as it can get without actually being there um it's it's incredible and i think it's you know they have like every single pitch that every pitcher throws and their data is unbelievable and the clarity is precise and you can put it at different fields and you can get different backdrops and it's spectacular that's wild and like how how big is the the contraption is it like you know are you wearing is it fairly light on you or is it like you know something a little bit cumbersome or is it pretty much just uh, light and you're ready to go um so have you guys have you guys ever done any like virtual reality stuff before like whether it's like a game or yeah a little you know, bit. watching a video or something like that you just have those goggles yeah so it's just it's just a set of goggles that are attached to a computer and you have two sensors that you set up either in a room or outside, however you want to do it. And it takes up maybe six by six feet of space. Got it. Got it. Okay. So you're just, you're out there just, uh, free and easy and and you're hitting against who's your favorite right now to, to hit against. Who's your, who's the one that's challenging you the most? Um, 
Uh, I'd, I'd say Scherzer's is pretty tough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every, everything moves so much, and it's just uh, you know he's got that funky delivery. So that's kind of my favorite thing about it is trying to to feel timing off of guys that are really really tough to get adjustments on. So I'm going to tell you my virtual reality experience, and this one um, <laughs> this 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 one's pr- uh, pretty funny. So very very randomly, I was in Japan uh, last. Um, uh, off season, and mm-hmm. I'm walking around with a couple of friends in Kobe, and we're just walking down the street, and I see a sign for the U Darvish Museum, which we did not realize existed, and uh, so we thought, well, we got to go, right? So we go in, we pay our ten bucks, and and it's uh, it's a museum devoted to U Darvish, and I asked the really? lady. Uh, I asked I asked the lady who was, you know, uh, taking our money. I said, "Is he from Kobe?" "Oh no, he's from Osaka." Like, "Okay, so so why is this museum here?" "Oh, because his dad owns the building." Oh, "Okay, sure." So it's got like his his T-ball trophies are in there, like the the pitch counter that his dad used when he was a kid is in there. There are these creepy creepy like like plastic uh, life-size statues of him in every uniform he's worn with like there's hair on his arms and I mean it's you get up close and it's like it looks like him and and they he has a virtual reality setup where anybody you know can step in and face him but they have it cranked up so that he's throwing 99 miles an hour so it doesn't matter how when you start your swing you will be late and it's like didn't they think that like kids would try this out? The kids would have no chance on this thing, and he just he just mows you down, strikes you out, and that kind of makes fun of you for trying. So that's that was my experience. So that sounds like it's probably uh, it probably is pretty similar to to what you're doing, except it's up against a screen instead of having uh, goggles. Yeah, that's pretty funny. That would that would be very interesting to see. Yeah, I was going to talk to you about that in spring training, but but obviously we all uh, we all had to. Had our time cut short there. Uh, how much have you kept in touch with uh, teammates throughout all this? Um, a little bit. You know, it's it's nice to to keep in touch with guys to see how everyone's families are doing and make sure that everyone's safe and things are going well. Um, but other than that, you know, it's one of those trustworthy things where you know your teammates are doing their work because you're doing your work. So we don't really check in on each other in that sense, but more or less make sure everyone's families are doing well and everyone's staying healthy and, you know, making sure all their situations are okay. And uh, in terms of the, the coaching staff um, and Gabe Kapler and, and uh, the hitting group, what, what, what's been the level of conversation and um, instruction you've gotten from them? Um, more or less just talking about how we can be better and get better whether it be from a mental side or from studying an aspect of our game and studying ourselves and trying to understand what we need to do to be better and how we can help the team succeed. So there's a lot of, uh, you know, at least once a week, we, we talk to, you know, guys on the, on the staff and they're asking how things are going, what we need, what we can do. Um, and it's just gone really smoothly so far. Cool, cool. And are you able to get like in a gym to do uh, some of the workout type stuff you want to do? Not really. Um, hopefully things will start to open up a little bit here as Tennessee is kind of pushing towards that boundary of being able to open some more things back up. So hopefully in, in the next week or so, we'll be able to get into a full gym. Got it. But right now you're not doing like the Rocky Four thing where you're just sort of like, you know, bench pressing cinder blocks and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, uh, I I did a Murph the other day and decided that I'm no longer going to ever do that again after how sore I was. Uh. <laughs> now, I have a question specifically about 
building a relationship with uh, a new group of hitting coaches and instructors. Like that's got to be, you know, you go into to the spring and, and you're trying to, to pick up on the new uh, techniques, the, the new ways of communicating with, with a totally different person. Is that something that you, you're struggling with or you're trying to figure out how to do with, uh, with distance? I mean, are you able to, to kind of pick up like, oh, okay, I see what he's talking about. Are you able to, to learn the language of a new hitting coach through distance? Um, yeah, it's actually pretty easy because we had some really good time to work with those guys. Even though it was only three weeks, they were so ready to dive in so instantly that time that we got to build up with them was huge and you get to learn their cues and you learn their mannerisms and you learn their you know just their ebb and flow of things and you pick up on it really quickly and I think it's been super beneficial to be able to just talk instead of being in person because you get to learn more about how we communicate and things like that which is just as important as talking about strategy of hitting or anything like that so it's, it's been good it's sort of going to be however baseball resumes it's going to be so different i mean have you sort of given some thought to you know hey our, our roster is going to be expanded our, our our is pitching usage going to be totally different um you know in terms of what you kind of expect baseball to look like whenever it resumes do you think it's going to be pretty similar or, or are there going to be some some differences that uh to take into consideration well i think there has to be differences in order for us to make it work for whatever it's going to look like but I can't predict it because no one really knows where this thing's going whether you know hopefully it doesn't happen but if we catch another second wave of you know a spike then we don't know what's going to happen and so we may face more adversity than we already have and so um, just trying to keep an open mind to it and be ready for whatever comes. Are you prepared to play baseball without ever spitting again on the field? <laughs> uh, yeah, if, you know, if they could find a way to to regulate that, I would try to, but I don't think it's possible. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, dugouts can get pretty disgusting, as we both know. Yeah, that, that's true. Um, I think it's something that we're going to be made more aware of for sure as this thing has come and hopefully it passes, but I think we'll we'll really see how our habits are kind of affecting others. We don't know what the resumption of play might look like. I mean, we know what they've talked about and they kind of have to talk about and kick around possibilities, even if they're far-fetched, just to just to get the wheels moving and be ready for whatever might happen, whatever kind of window might open up to allow, you know, baseball to resume. But, you know, in terms of the actual plan that we know they've discussed, where you guys would be like quarantined for, you know, three or four months, uh, basically shuttle between a hotel and the ballpark, you know, not really having much contact with your families or anything. I mean, what, what's what been your thought about that? And would you be willing to play baseball under those circumstances? Um, I haven't put too much thought into it. You know, I, I have a lot of trust in the union and the owners to come to a smart, safe agreement. And I think that when the time comes, you know, everybody wants to play. This isn't a, a situation where one side wants to put us in an uncomfortable situation and the other side doesn't. It's more or less we're we're really trying to work together to make sure that that the season happens because you know just like there's there's money on the line there's also careers that you know some need to advance and some are trying to prove themselves and others want to win a championship and so there's a lot of things that are you know involved in this and everybody wants it to move in the same direction so we just need to make sure that it's it's smart and 
and healthy and will benefit both sides. That's a, a good segue into you specifically in your situation in that this is not just a normal spring for you. You know, in the past, you, you've gone to minor league camps or you've you've been a non-roster invitee. This year, you're coming in as like an unquestioned starter, as someone who is supposed to be a foundational piece of the lineup. So what's different this year? Like when you're preparing for this year, like how are you preparing differently? And also all of this, is, is this just the exact wrong time for you specifically? I mean, this it, it felt like you had some momentum that was building up, are you correct? Yeah, and, and I, I never see a, a situation as wrong. I've always felt that everybody has their own path, and I took my own path to get to the big leagues, and I think I'll take my own path to hopefully stay there, and this is just another part of that. And I've kind of gone through changes throughout my whole career, whether that be dealing with, you know, the bat changes when I got to college, and then dealing with the draft changes when I was getting drafted. So I've kind of been through a bunch of different changes baseball has gone through. And I just try not to be phased by it. I try to look at it as the reason that I'm playing the game is because I love it. And I'm going to keep playing until someone rips a jersey off my back. And <laughs> I, in terms of the spring training question too, you know, I don't ever really see it as I'm owning my spot. It's I'm renting it because baseball is going to go on when whenever I'm done playing and whether I'm there or not, baseball is going to keep going on. So I'm just running my spot. So I'm going to work as hard as I can to make sure I keep it for as long as possible. That's I mean, that's such a great outlook. And um, I mean, just a really mature outlook, you know, because it there's so many things built into baseball that are that are built around failure or built around anxiety. And there's so many different ways you could feed that anxiety, I guess, if you, if you let yourself um, but I, I, I got to think that you don't persevere and hang in there and, and uh, to, to get the opportunity you got last season and go down that road as far as you went uh, without having that kind of mentality you were just talking about. Yeah, it, it's one of those things that I feel has really given me the success that I ended up having was because I didn't let anything change. And I trusted the process that I was going through and just really kind of took in each each step of the way as it as it came and didn't try to force anything or try and cause too much angst or or heightened emotions. Yeah, well, you had a few heightened emotions there a couple different times during the year. And it was, I mean, well, one thing that was pretty remarkable, I think, about the visit to Boston, if, if we can touch on that real quick, um, is with everything that was going on, and you were such a pro dealing with all the media requests and everything, but at the same time, you know, you were there to work. You were there to to have a good series, and and not necessarily because you know uh, your last name is Yastrzemski, but because you know this was your chance. You know, and, and every day was a new opportunity to make the most of it. And uh, um, yeah, what was that like to try to balance wanting to soak up the moment and wanting to 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 make sure that you appreciated everything that was happening versus hey, I'm here to do my job. Um, I think the moments become smaller when you take your job seriously and I love my job and so it was it wasn't even like a job you know I love going out there and playing every day and you know I think that as much as I don't necessarily feel like I'm a huge extrovert I think that I I do have a unique story and being able to tell that was part of my job and so I kind of took it as it's something that I enjoyed because it was so unique to me and to my family and to to everybody that was involved that it made it that more special. 
And I think the one thing that fascinates me is that it's not just that you, that your the grandfather was a Red Sox legend. Uh, it's that he was a legend with one of the most famous baseball names out there. So if you were Ted Williams' grandson and you came up as Mike Williams, like, you you know, you're, you're Mike Williams, you're Ted Williams' grandson. That That's something that is uh, obviously incredibly impressive. But when you grew up, you were a Yastrzemski. And that is just like a name where there's no Senator Yastrzemski. There is no famous actor Yastrzemski. Yastrzemski. Yastrzemski is about as baseball name as it gets. Was that a burden to you or were you always sort of like, oh, this is cool. I'm Yastrzemski. I mean, is it, or is it a combination of the two? <laughs> um, I never really like had any of those feelings. I never had too many highs or lows or like fluctuating thoughts on my last name. It was just what I was born with. You know, it was just average to me. It was normal. So I never really, even today, I don't, I don't think I recognize how unique it is because I am a part of it, if that makes sense. Um, no, it, it, it totally does. My wife, the other day, she asked, she said, uh, when someone says, you know, I'll grant you that point, don't you think, hey, they just said my name? And I go, no, it's, it's a, <laughs> a verb. It's totally different. So I actually understand that perfectly. Yeah. So it's like, you know, it, when someone says that, it's just, it's my family. It's my, my history. It's part of my past. And it doesn't, it doesn't trigger any of those thoughts for me, really. Who were your favorite players when you were growing up? Who were some of the players you really admired or watched or, or uh, maybe not patterned yourself after, but just were a fan of? Um, obviously, as a, a left-handed outfielder, uh, Griffey was, was my guy. But I really dove into the uh, late 90s shortstop duel of, of Nomar, A-Rod, and, and Cal. Um, you know, watching all those guys go at it and being those main like three infielders was something that I was like in awe by. And then, you know, throughout, obviously being a huge Red Sox fan, I loved watching Pedro pitch, um, loved watching Manny and Big Poppy hit. And then my kind of like under the radar guy that I always loved was Trot Nixon. Yeah, right. And uh, how, how many Red Sox games would you say you were able to go to every year? Um, I'd probably go to like 10 or 12 a year. Um, okay. Always, always skip school for opening day. And that was, uh, that was me and my mom's tradition. So we had fun with that. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, and would you sit all over the ballpark in different places or, uh, or was there, did you have season tickets or how'd that work? No, we, uh, we just sat wherever we could get tickets. Sometimes we'd sit in the, the grandstand. Sometimes we'd sit behind home plate, behind the dugout. We, we kind of moved around all over the place. Oh, I was just going to say, it's got me thinking about, you know, just sitting in the stands. It's all the things that maybe we've taken for granted or that, you know, I mean, the, the act of being able to sit next to a bunch of strangers in the stands and watch a baseball game. I don't know when that's going to happen. I hope it happens sometime soon, but... Um, yeah, it's just, I, I have a lot of thoughts like that of all these little little things that I've never even thought that I needed to appreciate. Have you had thoughts like that during all this? Yeah, actually, that was uh, that was the funniest thought that I had when we played at Fenway was going into every other ballpark I had never been to. I didn't know where I was going, and uh-huh. I'd walk <laughs> I walked into Fenway and it was like the complete opposite. I didn't need anybody to show me where the visiting clubhouse was, <laughs> what tunnel I had to walk down, where I had to go. I was like, oh, I know this. Like, I know exactly where I'm going. So the That's first awesome. time I walked through there, I was all alone and had this like kind of nostalgic feeling of like, this is where I literally walk. I walked through these halls as a fan, just going up here and hearing the buzz of the crowd. And I knew, I remembered the smells of the hot dogs, popcorn, hearing everybody scream. And so it was like, that was the coolest feeling for me was being able to have that moment by myself walking to the visiting clubhouse to play. And uh, of all the home runs you've hit in your career, um, you know, I don't necessarily know if you've had a walk off at Vanderbilt. Um, I, I can't get that granular, but 
was that the coolest home run you've ever hit? Is that a, is that up there? Is that pretty high on your list? Yeah, um, it's definitely top two. I'd say that in the the walk off that I hit against the Mets. Um, those two were just surreal. You know, you dream of hitting walk offs, and I've always dreamed about hitting a homer at Fenway. So they're those two are definitely the top two ever. What do you sort of ascribe that uh, your power to? Um, like you said, you, you've had to make a lot of adjustments to the bats in college, to the wood bats. You know, weren't necessarily known as a power hitter, but but obviously, you know, you you caught them and they left the ballpark, and and a lot of them left by plenty too. How do you think you've been able to tap into some of that power? Um, a lot of it's patience and listening to my grandfather, honestly, because he he always told me that I needed to be a good hitter before I learned to hit for power. Mm. So kind of trusting that time was going to take over. So as you know, obviously, as you get older, you mature, everybody's going to tap into strength at some point in their life that they didn't have before. And so I've just been patiently waiting for, for it to come. And I think that a combination of that plus some, some swing adjustments and some mental adjustments to give myself the freedom to be the type of hitter I was last year. So if you were to take a time machine and go back to Vanderbilt when you hit, I think, three home runs in your final season there, there wouldn't be yeah. necessarily a tip that you could give your younger self to, to tap into that that power right away. It would be more just uh, getting older, wiser, and stronger, correct? Yeah. Um, honestly, just a, a tale of time. Just letting... I would just tell myself to trust the way that I was going to develop. And, you know, I was kind of... A, I was always a late bloomer, you know, like, as I grew up, you know, I didn't hit my gr- my growth spurt till later, and um, I think I started to understand that, and so I knew to not really try and rush things and to to take my time and to just be ready when the time came on how I'm supposed to handle it. Now, I remember reading an interview or a story about you where you had mentioned that when you were in the Orioles system and you kind of knew that maybe they weren't going to have a place for you, that you had identified the Giants as a place where there might be an opportunity that you could uh, run into right away. How did that work? Like, were you scanning a list of all the major league teams? Were you doing it with your agent? Um, How did you sort of like pinpoint like, yeah, yeah, I think this this might be a good place for me. <laughs> uh, I started doing it myself. I, I would just be bored in spring training, like after the day was done, and there's only so much TV you can watch and, you know, so many things you can do that aren't going to take away from, from your training and your preparation. So I would start researching rosters and 40-man rosters and seeing who was, you know, heavy in outfielders, who was light, where they were in their careers, and all these things and where the teams were in – their last year standings and whether they're going to rebuild or need to win now. And um, I I had identified a few teams and a few possibilities that I would really felt that it would have benefited me in some way of life. So the Giants were actually the number one team that I would have wanted to go to if I had had my choice. When you got the news, you were sort of like, oh, wow, this sure worked out. Or did you kind of have an idea that it might be coming down the the pike? No, I, I didn't have any idea that I would even be possibly moved it was this was all wishful thinking this was if I could make the decisions for my career this is what I would choose right now and this is where I would send myself you know I was playing GM it's like if I were a GM and I were trying to put myself as a player into an organization that could use what I have to offer this is where I would put myself you would put yourself in a ballpark with a 420 foot power alley and uh, (laughs) a right center and a 25 foot brick wall you have to clear have you seen uh uh sort of the the changes uh and what the new dimensions are going to be and what what do you think about them I saw the the makings of them at FanFest but 
it was it still wasn't done so i i actually haven't even seen a picture of what it looks like done or if it i, I would assume it's done yeah no still not done um uh, because they they can continue uh, with essential construction and that's not considered essential um but they said they'll have plenty of lead time to finish it uh um you know before uh, a season would start but i think the biggest change is um that center field is moving from 399 to 391 and it seems like especially uh like day games there's a lot of balls that are caught on that warning track out there that are probably going to go out now um and then and then that wall that is uh, going to be seven feet high instead of eight feet high um so you, you got some chances at some more home run robberies out there um but but it's going to meet that brick wall just a little further out so so it's i think it's about maybe four fifty 415 instead of 421 but it's you're gonna have to clear a shorter wall at that point so it's it's definitely gonna make an impact i think interesting yeah yeah we'll we'll see how it goes hopefully brandon belt is owed about probably 50 home runs so uh (laughs) yeah yeah maybe he can get traded to the rockies or something to end his career and and make up for for all the home runs he's make up for it exactly Okay, so so very very important coronavirus uh, um, shelter in place question. Have you watched Tiger King? I have. Oh, you have, and what do you think? Um, I am glad that I don't live in Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't gotten around to that one yet. It was Oklahoma, right? I think so. I assumed it was in yeah. Florida because that just seems like a Florida thing, but uh, I haven't watched it yet. It's in my queue. I think one of them was in Florida. That guy, uh, Doc Antler, was in Florida. I know that. Okay. And anything else you've been binging or uh, doing to pass the time? Yeah. Uh, Billion on Showtime. That's the one with Paul Giamatti, one of the main actors? Uh, I think so, yeah. Is that is that what Bobby Axelrod's name is? I believe I th- so, yeah. And so think, the, that's, that's, that's the, the baseball connection. His dad was the commissioner of baseball once upon a time, which is one of my favorite fun facts is that, you know, that his dad was the commissioner of baseball. The one who banned Pete Rose for life. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It all comes full circle. It sure does. It does. Well, thanks so much for coming on uh, with us, Mike. This has been uh, tremendous. And I really, really appreciate you taking the time to, to come on with us and, and share some of what you're doing throughout all this. And we wish you and your family the best and, and keep, uh, keep on keeping on. Thank you, guys. Hope everything stays safe for you, too. I appreciate it. This has been episode 62 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back on Monday. And if you want to subscribe, we have a 90-day free trial that's going on. Just go to theathletic.com slash Bags and Brisby. That's theathletic.com slash Bags and Brisby for a free 90-day trial.